Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. says that we might be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Why does God bless you? So that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Why does God see see you through the tough times in your life? In order that you can help somebody else through the tough times in life. We are comforted in order to be a comfort. Man, if we could ever get that right, if the church could ever get that right, that because we are part of the same body, the things that God is doing in our life isn't just for us. Oh, we get, man, it's such a blessing to be used by God. But God does these things in order that we can then encourage and and strengthen and come alongside and demonstrate love to one another. It's important to realize that what the love of God offers you is not meant to be kept to yourself. Once you have received his blessings, you're called to go out and share them with others. Pastor David asks you today if you've done this. If not, begin to consider the ways that you could bless those around you. Become aware of the hardships that your fellow Christians carry and consider the strengths you have and how they might help. Ask Jesus to place you where you can best be a servant for him. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as he continues his message, A Blessed Pain. There are differences of ministry, but it's the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one to be able to puff you up in the Lord. No, that's not what it says, is it? For the profit of all, of all. Look down in verse 11. He says, but one and the same spirit works all these things. And again, as we've looked before, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many, there's still one body, just like Christ, as so also is Christ. We are one body. I look out this evening and some of your toes, some of your fingers, some of your left arm, some of your right arm. We won't go any more detail than that, but we are different in the body of Christ. The giftings are different. The purpose is different. If I decide I have no use for my left hand, I say, you know, you are not nearly as coordinated as the right hand. You left arm, you're not nearly as strong as the right arm. I just don't need you anymore. Guess what? The whole body is going to hurt because of that. We need each other and everything that each one of us put within this body of work. Still in, in chapter 12, down in verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Verse 27. 
Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Then we get into verse or chapter 13. And Paul says, and though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I become like sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Why is he writing that? I believe because he sees within that church all of this stuff happening, all of this quote-unquote spiritual stuff happening, but there's not a whole lot of love going on in that church. Because we read earlier on, there, there, there was the cliques, you know, you're of Paulus and you're of uh, uh, Cephas and you're of Paul and then the real spiritual ones, but, but we're of Christ. And again, he sees all of that happening in there. And so he says, man, you can do all this stuff, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. You're just a lot of noise. He goes on in verse two, and though I have the gift of prophecy, and that's the gift that he says, hey, above all the gifts, man, pray for the gift of prophecy. But he says, even if I have the gift of prophecy and and, and I can understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, but I don't have, uh, oh, and understand all, where was I? I lost my place. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Do you realize what a strong statement that is? Yeah, to the church in Corinth, but to the church today. How busy we can be about doing Christian things. How busy we can be about doing spiritual things. How busy we can be about doing, gosh, the right things or feeding the poor. And yet if we don't have love, Paul says it's nothing, it's empty. And I believe Paul is speaking of the Lord as, you know, from the Lord when he says, man, it's, it's nothing. And Jesus even speaks about that in that day. They'll come to say, oh, Lord, didn't we do this and didn't we do that ministry and didn't we do that ministry? And Jesus doesn't give a nice applaud and say, thanks very much. He says, no, depart from me because actually I, I, I never knew you. I never knew you. I'm wondering if that's what, what Paul is hitting on here. They're, they're so busy about church but just like the church of Ephesus, they've, they've lost that love factor. And beloved, if we ever lose the love factor, I don't care what we do. I mean, we could, we could have the rockinest youth group. We could have the, the, the best women's ministry, the best men's ministry. We could have Sunday school that's packed to the brim. We could be doing five services on a Sunday. But beloved, if we lose that core, then we're just busy. We're just busy. And it amounts to, as Paul says, nothing. Still in verse 13, down in 12, he says, but now we, we, we see in a mirror and we're seeing dimly. There's gonna come that day when we actually see face to face. Now I know only in part, but then I'm gonna know just as I am known. What he's speaking about there, there's gonna come that day that Man, what, what we are hoping for, what we are anticipating, what we have faith for is, is gonna come to fruition. We're, man, I, don't, I won't need faith anymore then because it'll be right there. Uh, I, I don't have to have 
faith that uh, my dad's gonna take us to Disneyland uh, next weekend. Once we get to Disneyland, hey, it has happened. And so again, well, there's gonna come that time that's gonna be face-to-face. We're, there's not gonna be a question. The, the cool thing is, is once we get to glory, once we're face-to-face with the Lord, we're gonna know everything. There's not gonna be anything hidden. We're gonna understand why we went through that season in our life. We're gonna understand why this issue came into our life. It wasn't good at the time. Oh, I know, but all things work together for good, but that wasn't good at the time. And we're gonna understand why that came through in that day. He says, right now there abides faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these, again, is what, church? Love, love. I can have all kinds of faith. I can have all kinds of hope. But if I don't love you, if you don't love me, if we don't love each other, then we're just busy. We're just busy. Skip over to chapter 14. There he is right at the beginning, verse one. Pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. What does he mean by prophesying? Oh, I believe that on, uh, on Friday afternoon at two o'clock, that, that's not really what he's speaking about here. What he's speaking about here is proclaiming the word of God. I want to be able to have that gift to be able to speak forth boldly the word of God. When I get the opportunity, uh, you say, well, isn't that evangelism? Well, you know what? I, I, I looked through the list in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, and maybe some of you can help me out in Ephesians I didn't see evangelism in there. Now, we're told to go out, but this gift of prophecy, I believe, is again, it it, it gives us the ability to speak out. And that's why he says, man, it's important that you have that gift of prophecy to speak out the things of God. He goes on down in verse 12. Even so, you, since you're zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So in other words, the things that you want spiritually in your life, is it just so you can have, oh, my precious, my precious, my precious? Or is it something that you say, man, I've got this in order that I can bless, in order that I can be used by God to serve the church, serve his bride, to serve the body that I'm a part of. Lord, give me that ability not to lift me up, but in order that I can be an encouragement to others. Down in verse 18, still in chapter 14, Paul says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And yet, in the church, I would rather speak five words with understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, don't be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes, but in understanding, be mature. This whole idea of of the gift of tongues and all, and we're going to be going through that as we go through the book of Acts, and I promise you I'll spend some more time and go through a number of the gifts, which we haven't done for quite a long time. But one thing that we know from Paul's writings here in in Corinthians, that that speaking in tongues, that gift of tongues, uh, is for the edification of the one that speaks the tongue primarily and mostly. 
like I said, some of you are saying, oh no, he's not going to start teaching on tongues. And Please, just, just chill and allow the Lord to open up the word to you and, and see what the word of God says. Don't be fearful of bad experiences. Believe me, I've been in some really bad experiences with hyper-Pentecostal churches. Uh, you still got time, I'll tell you a story real quick. Um, not my first time, but first time as an adult, we went to a very Pentecostal church, very Pentecostal. As a matter of fact, you were required to have two things when you went into that church. A Bible, which I thought, man, that's great. Everybody's got a Bible. And a tambourine. Yeah, it seemed like everybody had a tambourine. And if you had to leave one at home, leave your Bible at home. Because actually, they never got into it too much. Uh, But they really celebrated a lot. What that has to do with anything, I don't know, but it just came to my mind. Uh, Be careful of those things. Chapter 14, verse 39. I probably just offended everybody on the radio that's uh, Pentecostal. Uh, Therefore, verse uh, 39, chapter 14. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, but catch this. Do not forbid to speak in tongues. Yeesh. What do I do if I'm fearful of tongues? What do I do if I don't understand tongues? What do I do if, 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 if my pastors from way back said, oh no, all that died with the last apostle died? Can you imagine that day? A guy like Paul Revere running through the countryside. John died, John died, stop it. Don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. The last apostle died. There's a foolishness sometimes in our thinking that I too often make too much fun of. Anyway, he says in verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. Beloved, that's it. Why? Because we're motivated by love. We're motivated by love. Chapter 15 brings us to the power of the resurrection, the importance of the resurrection in the life of the believer. Look at verse 19 of chapter 15, verse 19. Paul says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. See, but there is a resurrection. As a matter of fact, the necessity of the resurrection is a confirmation of our hope and of our faith. Look what he says in verse 20, the very next verse. He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, those who have already died in Christ. For since by man came death, that's speaking of Adam and Adam's sin, and he covers that in more detail in that chapter. He says, since by man came death, by man, speaking of Christ, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. You see, Christ rose physically. He had a body. When he rose from the dead, he was physically there. It wasn't just a spiritual essence or a spiritual being that rose from the dead. His body was no longer in the grave. He rose from the grave. Since by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Beloved, if it's not for the resurrection, we would not have the confirmation of our hope and of our faith. But because there is a resurrection, we have both of those. The promise of the resurrection. Again, that, that, that the physical, this, this physical carcass that you and I struggle with so often in, in our life, that it's gonna be changed. It's gonna be changed. It's gonna be a spiritual body. Look what he says down in 51, verse 51. 
He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all, again, pass away or die in Christ. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Before Jesus comes, some of you are going to pass away. Some of us are going to pass away before Jesus comes. I mean, unless he comes like right now. There's a good chance that, you know, some of us are going to pass away. And that's what Paul's saying. But not all of us. He says, there will come a time when Jesus comes, not everybody's going to be dead, but everybody will be changed. And when he comes, it's going to happen that quick. In in just a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible and shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. The, that this old carcass changes the, all the failures, all the weakness, all the struggles of this carcass is, is done away with, and that new body comes. He speaks about the reality of the resurrection, even as the power over death and sin. Look what he says down in verse 54. He says, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal puts on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And then he goes on with this little praise. I, I, I don't know if this is like a praise chorus that he declares out here. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? And he speaks about the sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in closing, Paul ends up this particular letter with a reminder, hey man, we're taking this collection for the saints there in Jerusalem. And then there's a small little hint of an issue that Timothy had uh, with his age because he was a young pastor. Look at this here in chapter 16. He says, now if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. For he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. Well, what do you mean despise him? Why would they despise him? Well, it's the same thing that Paul dealt with when he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4, he says, Timothy, don't let anybody despise you because of your youth. But you need to become an example to the believers. Be an example in the word and in conduct and love and in spirit and in faith and in purity. Apparently, because Timothy was a young guy and serving the Lord, there was a dynamic about his life that he was very active in the things of the Lord. But these older guys were like, man, you're just a kid. You're just a kid. When does that time come when a kid becomes uh, recognized for it? I don't know. When I see the giftings and the power of Timothy, that's why Paul says, man, don't, don't push back on that guy because he's young. God is using him just as he uses me. God's using him. The final words are blessing. Uh, it's interesting. It's a, uh, Paul gives both a blessing and a curse as, as he closes out. Uh, chapter 16, verse 13, he tells them there in Corinth, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with, oh, what was that word again, church? With love. I think he's kind of hammering on the same string on that guitar. 
So a blessing for them, but down in verse 12. If anybody doesn't love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. That's interesting. 2 Corinthians was written only about a year or so later. It seems to be a letter, some more instruction, but from a whole different attitude, whole different direction. It seems as though here, Paul, who had been with them for a year and a half, and had apparently communicated it with them even between the first letter and the second letter. He had sent guys to them to, again, reconnect with them. So here in 2 Corinthians, though, he's he's like he's having to prove his apostleship. He's like he's having having to retell them uh, who he is and that God had called him. And he was the guy that started uh, the, the whole church there. Uh, he has to share with them, man, as an apostle, yes, I do have authority over the church. I was, I, was, I was the father. I was the birther of this church. And I am an apostle. It's in this letter that we read uh, uh, some hints of that possible letter that, that was sent. Uh, Paul expresses his relief, uh, kind of his joy, really, to the Corinthians that they had received his severe letter in a very positive manner. And that's that one that we don't have a copy of. He speaks very clearly also that our God is a God of great comfort. Second Corinthians chapter 1, look at that verse there, verse 3, beginning in verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation for our own good? Well, he says that we might be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Why does God bless you? So that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Why does God see see you through the tough times in your life? In order that you can help somebody else through the tough times in life. We are comforted in order to be a comfort. Man, if we could ever get that right, if the church could ever get that right, that because we are part of the same body, the things that God is doing in our life isn't just for us. Oh, we get, man, it's such a blessing to be used by God. But God does these things in order that we can then encourage and and strengthen and come alongside and demonstrate love to one another. Lone Ranger Christians. Lone Ranger Christians. It's a total oxymoron. And it is a non, uh, it can't be. We're, we're not called to be. We are part of the body. If I cut that finger off, say, hey, you go do your own thing from now on. Guess what? It's just going to die. Oh, and by the way, the rest of the body suffers because of it. He says, it's God who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Apparently that second letter, that lost letter, Uh, address some issues that were tearing the church apart. Primarily the arrival of some of these self-styled false teachers or false prophets. Uh, They they began assaulting Paul's character. They began sowing a lot of discord uh, among the believers. They began teaching a lot of false doctrine. The reason we know this is because of what Paul is dealing with here in 2 Corinthians. Uh, It would appear that those false teachers, those false uh, apostles, They were questioning the legitimacy even of Paul's calling and even of the direction of Paul's ministry.
That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.